Yo, Counterattack Podcast with myself, Daps. Guys, back again. I just released the podcast, what, three, four days ago, maybe? And I'm back again. Let me just fix this. Make sure that it's all it's all good and that. So, yeah, just released um, a podcast a couple of days ago. I thought, do you know what? I've just watched Man City. I'm here at the studio. I just thought, let me just give you something anyway seeing as there's been a whole round of games. And if I waited till the end of the week, as in Sunday or something, to give you um, like a podcast, it would have meant that um, all of these games that have just happened midweek weren't spoken about. And then I'd have a whole you know, have a round of games this weekend. So yeah, here I am, man. Just thought, let me come and give you a little bit. And um, hopefully, guys, you like it. Keep, keep liking, subscribing, sharing engagement is getting is getting back up there um shout out to the ones listening on on spotify and itunes because it's gone through the roof over the last couple of weeks in regards to the amount of people listening youtube we can we can definitely get the youtube views up so um, but again they're going up so i just have to do my part and give you the content guys keep listening and let me know what you think um also I'm loving the um, engagement online in regards to Twitter, Instagram, um, whatever other social networks there are. Use the hashtag on Twitter, hashtag counterattack podcast. And yeah, we're just going to keep it going. Um, Funny thing is, though, very quickly, not funny thing, but um, one of the clips that went kind of viral that really took off was... Um, the clip in the last podcast I spoke about Riyad Mahrez having the best first touch in the Premier League and um, yeah it's funny how with the things that I talk about on this podcast and the clips that I put out that's the one that really decided to to go off but it's fine Um, people said I was forgetting about um, who they said I was forgetting about Bernardo Silva was definitely mentioned as someone who should be up there with, with Riyad. I don't think he's better than Riyad, but in regards to first touch, I don't think he's he's there with him. Thiago was the one that, um, the general consensus that Riyad Mahrez had the best first touch, but after him, I got, I had a load of Thiago shouts and I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at the Thiago shouts. Um, great first touch. These are all top, top level players, to be totally honest. So, um, yeah, you guys let me know who you think has the best first touch in the Premier League. If it's not Riyad Mahrez, get in the comments. I'm replying back to comments. So, yeah, we're going to get into it. Right, where am I going to start today? I've actually got a list of things that I wrote while I was watching the Man City game. Do you know what? We can start We can start with a Man City game. And is there anywhere to start apart from Erling Haaland? Mate, the fastest player to get to 20 goals in a season. He's done it in 14 games, which is outrageous. I think the nearest person to him probably did it in like 20 20 games, I think. But he's done it in 14 games and it's so mad because he's always, always looking to be on that shoulder. And it's so funny because once he gets going, you can't stop him. You can't stop him and he shouldn't be that good. He shouldn't, for his size, he shouldn't be able to move the way he does. He shouldn't be as agile as as he is. And honestly, especially when you're playing in a team with Kevin De Bruyne, who can make, you know what I've realised? Kevin De Bruyne playing with 
Erling Haaland is actually the biggest cheat code ever. Because even though he didn't get an assist today for um, for Haaland, you see Kevin De Bruyne, he's basically just crossing it from his own box near enough. <laughs> he's ba- he can basically cross it from his own box. Haaland's going to be on the end and put it in. And um, yeah, when you've got them two playing together, it's no, it's no wonder why he's getting all of those goals. And credit to him, 20 goals already this season. It's so funny because you ask for a 20-goal-a-season striker. You ask for a 20-goal-a-season striker, but then, you know what I mean? Like, you 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 get Haaland, who does it in 14 games. Like, we're not even halfway through the season. Well, no, we are halfway through the season. Are we? 18 games? I think so. How many games did he miss? But imagine if he doubles that telly. Oh, 40. Listen, he's a problem. I don't know how many goals he's going to get this season. Today he could have had a hat trick. He could have had four goals this this um in this game tonight. Like, I don't know. I think he'll finish the season on 30 goals. And that's me just being hopeful that he doesn't go past 30 goals because it's ridiculous. So you guys let me know how many how many goals you think Harlem will get. I personally, like I said, I feel like Harlem will end the season on I'm gonna go 32 goals. 32 goals Harlem ends the season on. And he's already got 20, which is mad. So I think he has the season 32 goals. You guys, let me know. Let's From now to the end of the season, how many goals do you think Haaland would get? Right, 32 for me. You guys let me know how, how, how many goals you think he's going to get. Um, in regards to anything else, Man City tonight, I think City were just basically showing that they're not letting up. They're basically showing that they're not here to to just let Arsenal run away with it or not let go of the of their league title without a fight. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's crazy because had Arsenal not been, had Arsenal not been, I mean, had Man City not been in the league or if Man City weren't who they were or weren't who they are, Arsenal would be shooting for the league. But I think when people talk about Arsenal potentially not winning the league, it's less about Arsenal and more about the fact that they've got City just coming in ready, you know, winning games. And they we know they've got the quality. We know they've got the know-how. We know they've been there, done that. And I think that is the main thing that stops people from saying Arsenal are going to win the league just because of City. And today, again, you know, at, at no point did I think they were going to lose that game. At no point did I think it was going to be a close game from minute one when Haaland was in and should have scored, but um, Melier made the save. Melier had a good game today. City just looked like they were going to just run away with it. And, you know, credit to them. Credit to them because... I don't, yeah, credit to them because I can imagine with the quality that they have, it's, sometimes it could be easy to go into certain games, like, like tonight, thinking that you've already won the game. But there's none of that involved. There's none of that whatsoever. And yeah, and I think my man of the match today, um, they, they gave it to Haaland. And Haaland's actually on the TV speaking right now. But yeah, they gave it to Haaland. But honestly, Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne is an outrageous footballer. And I don't need to, I, I, I think it's crazy that I have to even come on a podcast and say that there are people that talk mad about Kevin De Bruyne 
I just don't understand it how you can have your own eyes and watch Kevin De Bruyne and still come out and say that he's not as good as they say, he's not world-class, he's average, and compare him to people who, who aren't on his level. I'm seeing him do things, so he's not going to get any credit for that Haaland second goal, but for me, he made that goal. He's driving with the ball, he gives it out, gets it, the ball, he gets the ball to Rodri, but then there's a little movement he does in order to make the space, make the angle to get that ball back, and then pass the ball into Haaland, and the guy's just outrageous. Like he's just a top top footballer, and and I think I said it on the last pod, but like um, or the or the podcast before that, that people saw him play for Belgium, and yes, he was not at his best, but for whatever reason, I always see this look like there's mumblings or grumblings or whatever you you want to you want to call it of of Kevin De Bruyne not being a big game player, of Kevin De Bruyne not being the player that people think he is, and and I just think that's mad, honestly. He is a top, top player. And I think one day he's not going to be here in the Premier League anymore. And people are going to look back and think what a player he is because he would, he walks into any team in world football, any team in world football. And I think there's a load of, there's a load of players who people rate and who people put on a pedestal that can't even lace his boots. So I think this whole Kevin De Bruyne slander just needs to stop. Enjoy what he's doing out there. Enjoy it. Oh, right. So I'm looking at the most Premier League goals in the season, and it's Andy Cole. Do you know what? I'm sorry, Kevin De Bruyne, we're going to come back to that, yeah. But Andy Cole, yeah, most Premier League goals in the season, the record is Shearer and Andy Cole at 34, with, with 34 goals in a season. And it's funny because I was just talking about how many goals I think Haaland's probably going to get in this season, during the season. And the guy with the top, is Andy Cole. And Andy Cole, I think it's I think it's crazy that Andy Cole had to come out and even tweet when people are comparing him or bringing up his name with strikers who I'm not even going to say aren't you know what they're not. They've not they've not done anything. They're not proven anything. But yet you're putting him in the conversation. Like people are comparing Nunes to Andy Cole. So Andy Cole shouldn't have to come out and tweet such things. And I don't know what it is, but he had a tweet where he went through all of his accolades. 187 Premier League goals, one penalty. One penalty. People don't even talk about the assists. He's up there. He's up there. In, in regards to the, the most assists in Premier League, he's up there. So people just need to stop playing with, with Uncle Andy, man, and and just let him... Just, just, just leave him be. Let, let, let him enjoy, enjoy the football that he's had, and 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 stop putting dirt in his name. Because, you know, any striker that can come and and even get have a quarter of the um, an ounce of the um, career that Andy Cole had is going to go down as one of the Premier League greats. So let's let's leave Uncle Andy. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you haven't seen the Andy Cole podcast, Andy Cole is on my podcast. Go search through the channel and you'll see it there. So yeah, also stop putting dirt on Kevin De Bruyne. I just don't like the the time that we're in where we just feel free to just talk mad about our like our current greats. Do you know what I mean? People who are gonna go on to be legends in in the game. We need to just stop. Even Nunes, I mentioned Nunes, I mentioned him last podcast as well. That it will click for Nunes. 
I have no doubts about that. That's why you don't see me talking bad about Nunes. I, I'll say that, listen, he's having a bad day in front of goal, but I'm not going to talk about his quality. I'm not going to say he's rubbish and he's he's all of that because I honestly believe Nunes will come good. I think a lot. there's a lot of people who jump on the bandwagon and don't really watch football because if they did, they will see that once it clicks, he's finishing. Because the big thing is, I think we're in a time where everyone has to be the finished article. I think we're in a time where if you're not the finished product, then you're rubbish. Nunes is definitely not the finished product. But I'm telling you now, if he improves his, his finishing, which he can do, which I'm, no, which I'm in no doubt that he will do, he's going to be the biggest problem because I think people should be more afraid of the fact that he's getting into the positions to score time and time again rather than the fact that he's missing them. You obviously want him to be scoring because, you know, you're a striker, you're paid to finish your dinner. Do you get what I'm saying? But he's getting in the positions and once it clicks, it's game over. And I'm glad Klopp came out to say there's no issue. They're not really worried about it because they know it's going to come and it will come for him. And I think a load, a load of people talking about Nunes are going to eat their words. That's just, just what I think. And I'm all over the place with this podcast. So... Let me just see what else I've got. Um, yeah, interesting, actually. Man City. Rico Lewis had a very, very, very good game, Rico Lewis. But it's funny because on the team sheet, he's a right back. But we know that um, Man City like to play football and, you know, with, with their right... We know that Man City like to play football with their right back um, tucking in, playing centre midfield, playing centre midfield. But... Rico Lewis spent the entirety of the game in centre midfield with John Stones going, playing right back, basically. And I was just like, flipping hell. This is so brave of City because they leave three at the back and they're so wide that any team who presses high, wins that ball and has quality and speed about them, will punish them. They will punish them. So I, I, just, I just found that interesting that, that, they, that they do that and... It's brave, it's brave, but shout out to to Cause because he's in my he's in my group in a, in a group chat and he was saying that the good thing about City is that City don't take risks. City don't because they know they're doing that. They take very few risks, which means that the ball isn't turned over in dangerous positions. And I know Pep absolutely hates that. I remember him talking about it. But yeah, City looked good. Leeds didn't help themselves with a lot of the defending with. You know, even the first goal, right on half time, just manage the game, manage the half, see at the half. But instead, they're giving they're giving the ball away cheaply against City. So, yeah, they they didn't help themselves, but it is where it is. City back into second. Haaland, you know, scoring goals, picking up where he left off. And I'm still not going to say Arsenal in a title race, but we have a title race. So, um, talking about Arsenal, yeah, okay. Let me get the tweet. I tweeted something about Arsenal, about Enketia. I tweeted something about Enketia and um one second. And people basically got onto me about it. And I think people were were missing my point with Enketia. So I'm gonna try and get the tweet for you now. Uh One second, one second. Yeah, so I said, I said, 
The drop-off between Jesus and Nketiah is so big. The level of link-up and team play is just not there. Right. So I said that, and I stand by that. But people mistook me saying that as him um, not playing well. He was 100% playing well. What I shouldn't have done is maybe said that in those words because it, I can imagine how it comes across like I'm having a dig at him and I'm really not. I just think that for the way Arsenal play, the link-up and team play is so important that there's elements to Nketiah's to game that he just doesn't have in regards to being able to... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Being able to... Oh, what's the word when you put it together? That like execute certain things. So there's a couple times where, you know, we have like a third man run or if he was a bit neater or the quality was there, he could play in someone or if he had a bit more vision about him, he could get the ball out and, and we would be in a couple of times and he just totally missed it. Whereas Gabby Jesus has that. But there's things that the eye for goal that Nketiah has. Gabby Jesus doesn't have that. Nketiah is just on, I'm just here to bangles. I'm just here to bangles. So that's what I was saying. Like, it's not that he wasn't playing well. In the first half, I just saw some things. But then again, maybe I shouldn't have just said anything because at the end of the day, he went on and scored and he was playing well. So sometimes just let people play well. And I could hold up my hands to say I was a bit quick to get that out there, especially when, you know, someone else tweeted that strikers need rhythm and he hasn't been playing. So I, I could hold my hands up and say I was a bit too quick to, to maybe highlight something that I didn't quite like rather than giving it a bit of time. So 100%. But other than that, let's talk about Odegaard. You see Odegaard, <clears throat> let's talk about him. Odegaard is anyone that watches football and really takes like, and really really watches football properly will know that Odegaard is just nothing but class pure class he's not world class I'm not going to do that but he he is just a proper footballer proper cultured and he's one of those people that might not get all the assists I want him to get more assists and be, you know, in those positions further forward where he can actually get those assists. But, in fact, he got the other, he got an assist the other day, actually. But And I want him to score more goals, but I don't think it's, his game is all about that. Odegaard makes Arsenal tick. Do you get what I'm saying? He very rarely gives the ball away. He he always picks. He's got that thing about him, like, like a Luka Modric, where their pass selection is 95% of the time the the best option and and I think when you've got someone like him in the team it's just he raises the level same way Jesus raises the level Zinchenko which people don't really want to talk about have that conversation raises the level of of the team Odegaard when he's not there we we miss that 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 link between attack and um midfield and he compliments Party so well. Party compliments him so well. But yeah, no, Odegaard is just he's just different, different quality. And and I think for thirty five million, that's a snippet. I think he's one of those players that's going to get better as they as they get older. The more he gets to to learn the game, the more he gets to read and understand the game, Odegaard is just going to be 
in two, three years' time, he's going to be outrageous. I already think he's close to being an outrageous player right now, but Arsenal are so lucky to have him. I think he walks into a lot of teams in world football. Walks into it. I think so anyway. And I might be wrong about that. It just might be bias coming out, but I don't really care. I, I, I just think no one could get close to him in that first half. He's picking out passes. He's, you can see that he studied Ozil. You can see that he studied Ozil. You can see that at his time at Madrid, he learned from Modric. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he, he is just outrageous. Ran the show um, on, on Monday against West Ham. They couldn't get close to him. I saw a couple of times Declan Rice tried to get close to him, but I, I feel like Declan Rice even knew himself. Like after the game, it's like, phew, phew, mate, yeah. Odegaard ran the show and, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting because right now, with the players that we have, we have, a, and we have the youngest, the youngest squad, the youngest team in, in, in the Premier League. Arsenal right now are in a really, really good position. And if the owners of Arsenal had anything about them, they would see that the league is actually there for the taking. The league is actually there to be won. So what they should go and do is splash the cash. Splash the cash. If you don't want to splash the cash in, in the summer or, or you had reservations, I think the fact that you could see the position Arsenal are in and how they're playing, I think you should go and splash the cash. So Mudrik is... We, we, it looks like he's going to come even though Shakhtar are asking for 100 mil yeah cheers not happening but I think the one that's interesting is Yao Felix everyone knows how I think um, everyone knows how I feel about Yao Felix Yao Felix is for me he's one of the best youngsters in world football and I think it's been criminal that it's been criminal that he's had to have the shackles and been in bondage for so long at Atletico Madrid and if what my guy Dave Ornstein is saying is true, he's been offered to Arsenal. If Arsenal can get Yao Felix over the line, I know it's going to be difficult because it's a loan, it's going to be an expensive loan and it's only for six months. But if they could ever get that over the line and get Mudrik in, honestly, it would, it could possibly shoot Arsenal up to, to win that league. Because right now, I, don't, I just don't think we have enough right now to hold off Man City and win that and win the league, but, you know, just never know. So, that's my point on Enketia. I think Arsenal need to strengthen Odegaard. Let me know what you think, guys. Let me know what, what you think about um, Odegaard. How good is he? Let me know about what you think about Arsenal's chances of winning the league. Even though I'm just game by game, we just go. Top four is what we're aiming for. Game by game, get me. But, um, yeah, let me know what you think. Have I missed something? Was I wrong about Enketia? Was I right in what I, in my actual point about Enketia? Um, do you think Enketia, whilst Jesus is out, Enketia will be enough in regards to getting us goals? Let me know what you think. But um, yeah, the next thing I actually want to talk about is um, this world class title because. Earlier on, I alluded to the fact that Odegaard, Odegaard is quality, but I'm not calling him world-class. And I just think we should stop um, calling all these players world-class because it doesn't, it, it's an injustice to the players who are actually world-class. 
And I say that because Manchester United have a world-class midfielder in their team. But when you're there calling other players like Bruno Fernandes world-class too, nah, it's, it's a disrespect to the, to the ones like Casemiro. I'm going to say that again. Casemiro is world-class. So if we're saying he's world-class, we need to be careful with how we're talking about world-class, world-class, because Bruno Fernandes, they say he's world-class. And it's chalk and cheese. There's, you can't, you can't, you can't. So I think with Casemiro, he's just, he's honestly the the best DM in the league. I'm, I'm just going to say that. The best DM in the league. And it's not even close. People are going to mention Roger. Roger's very, very good. But you see what Casemiro does. His understanding of football is second to none. His, the quality on the ball is second to none. And you can tell with the stuff that he does on the pitch, you can tell that he knows the game. You can tell that he's played with players of, at an elite level. Do you get what I'm saying? And just, I can't even explain what he does. I just know that when I see it, I, I believe it. I believe in Casemiro. And I can't believe Manchester United have him. And if Man United can get in players who are of a higher level and operate at that higher level. Yeah. Building from a base of Casemiro is, is just going to be different, different, different class. So I just wanted to say that if we're calling Casemiro world-class, which he is, we need to be very careful how we throw that world-class phrase about because Bruno Fernandes being called world-class is a disrespect to Casemiro. I'm just going to say that because Bruno Fernandes ain't world-class. This ain't me saying he's rubbish, ain't me saying he's good. I'm I'm just saying, don't call him world class. So leave that title for the players that are actually on that level. Because, yeah, yeah. Anyway, also, Man United against Nottingham Forest, yeah. It was... I don't know. If I'm Harry Maguire, me and Ten Hag have to go outside for five minutes. We need five minutes. Because he went to the World Cup Played every game for England. He actually played all right in, for England in the World Cup. Comes back and and probably is expecting to, you, you know, be in the position. He's probably he's probably expecting to be in the position where he's going to to push on, get games and whatnot. So imagine his surprise when he sees four four two, Varane's playing. Yeah, left centre back Luke Shaw. Quite listen, I would have loved to have been there when Ten Hag named that team. Because I think it I think it shows Maguire where he's at. I think Harry Maguire, and I'm not gonna come and start saying Maguire's rubbish or whatever, but I think it's a rude awakening for Harry Maguire to know that my manager prefers someone that's only ever played there in a four in a two at the back once before. Maybe twice. Do you know what I mean? That's who my manager fancies. And and credit to Ten Hag because I've been saying for, for a while, Maguire's not up to that standard for me, I don't think. I don't think he's at the level where people put him on. And But other managers somehow have been able to see this and he's been messing up time and time again. Whereas Ten Hag is just like, nah, I'm not on that. For what I want, 
from a defender, you can't give it to me. And I think he sent a message out to Harry Maguire. He sent a message out to the board. They probably need another defender in. In fact, they do need another defender in. And um, yeah, so Maguire, super, super pissed right now. But, you know, it's up to him to either respond or not respond. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do because it's not, it's just looking like the manager ain't fancying fancying him and I don't think Maguire goes and gets another top team top four team if he leaves United he'll end up at like a Newcastle who are actually currently a top four team but he's not getting yeah yeah anyway let me not even go too much into Maguire we know how I feel about him but Marcus Rashford all right Marcus Rashford looks like the player that everyone thought he would go on to be He's looking like he's got his hunger back. He's looking like he's... He's just looking fitter. He's looking like his head's in the right place. And he's looking like the threat that he was before. And the one that we thought he was going to um, go on to become. And I'm actually happy for him because I think a load of people were jumping on the bandwagon and talking dirt and whatnot when it came to Marcus Rashford. And I think he's basically showing people that he's still here. I think he's basically showing people not to write him off and showing people that we shouldn't be quick to just write players off. Get me? He had a bad run of form that lasted a really, really long time, but that player was still there. And I think he's showing now that with a bit of work, you know, under management who actually has real coaching methods, who actually has real opinions and ways for him to actually improve and um, get the best out of his game. Like, he's playing under a manager like that. But I think we have to look that in in the key developmental years, he's probably still in. I don't know how old Rashford is, but in his key developmental years, he was playing under Ole. And I think the time where he was off the most was under Ole. And Ole's not, for me, he's not the coach that you want to play under when you want a player to improve. That's not him. So... Now that he's, he's under real management, who, who's, who's able to play him in a system that gets the best out of him, we're seeing the best out of Rashford. So I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, he's, he's having a really, really good, good, good run of form. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Another conversation I want to have though. So I'm, I'm watching the game now and they mentioned Martial's been there for eight years. I think Martial's been there for eight years. And the commentator said, um, oh, he's been there for eight years and, you know, um, he's, he's hoping, Martial's going to be hoping that um, he's going to be able to reach top form or, or something like that. And I sat there and I said, no way has Martial been there for eight years. And at what point do we say, like, what is Martial's level? Are we still talking about him being potential? Or are we saying this is Martial? Because Martial's the same player that got loaned out. His highest, his highest goal-scoring season was, what, 17? A couple seasons back? Like, what is his level and what is his ceiling? What is his peak? Because he ain't going to go on to be a Ballon d'Or winner. Um, you know, and he's got that clause in his contract. We know that. Cool. But at what point do we say, this is him? And I'm not talking dirt because... I like Martial. Martial's got a lot of quality, but I just think that I, I'm just wondering. He's been there for eight years. 
you know, we've seen really, really good from him. We've seen really, really bad from him. Like, what do we expect from Martial after after eight years? This is just an, an honest question because I really don't know. I didn't know he'd even he'd been at United for eight years. I couldn't even when I heard that I was just like, oh, and then I was just like, what is Martial's ceiling? What's his level? Are we still talking about potential? Because we keep talking about this potential thing when it comes to Martial. Oh, he's got the potential to be this. He's got the potential to be that. But you guys let me know, what is Martial, what what would be sensible to ex- expect from Martial? Are we expecting him to still go on to become a world-class striker? Are we expecting him to stay how he is and kind of fizzle out? Like, what is it? Because I think he's quality. I think he's top, top quality. Mm, top quality. But I'm not sure about if he's going to go on to be that striker that gets you 20 goals a season. I don't know. Can he be the main man if you're, if you're looking to really compete? You guys let me know. Let me know in the comments and whatnot what, what you think about that because I'm not, I'm not exactly sold on that. So what else, what else, what else? Okay. So oh, I spoke about Nunes already. Right, Tottenham, how much longer, how much longer can Tottenham keep doing this for? Because Tottenham do this thing where they start so badly and concede, but I don't understand. But then credit to them, they keep coming back. I don't know how they just grind it out and get some kind of goal. I don't know, but... I just want to know how much longer can, can this go on for? Because Brentford were two new up. They managed to um they managed to get back to two two, but mm, I wasn't really pleased. In fact, no, second half. Second half Tottenham actually played well. But for me, I think they need to cut that out. They need to cut that out because you can't keep getting away with that. I think early on in the season, I think it was against Liverpool where they went a goal down and they just couldn't get it back. Do you know what I mean? You can't against Arsenal. They started like that and we, we saw what happened in, in, in that game. I, I just think that Tottenham need to find a new way of playing, but it's Conte. This is what Conte does. And on the topic of Conte, I heard that they couldn't find a resolution during the off period for his contract situation. I personally feel like Conte might walk at the end of the season. I feel like he might walk at the end of the season. And and I say that because I can see that he's not happy with, for him to not have signed that contract, there's obviously things that he's not happy with, you know, in terms of transfers, getting the players in that he wants to get in. And I think he also, but this is just me chatting with no knowledge whatsoever. I think Conte looks at his team knowing that they're not at the level he wants them to be. He he sees them knowing that they're probably quite far off that level and you need a good couple of players in. Because I look through that team and there's players that that sh- he probably wants an upgrade on. Do you know what I mean? I know he's still struggling with that right-back situation. Long-term goalkeeper. I think he needs another good centre-back because I'm not having Dyer. I'm not having Longley. Sanchez, is he even having him? Um, I like Romero though. Do you know what I mean? And, and left-back long-term, they need... They need um, another another player. I think they need another creative centre midfielder or a creative centre midfielder. Do you know what I mean? I, I I just I just think that there's so many things that he that he needs in order to be at the level that he's used to competing at. And I don't know if 
if if Daniel Levy or Levi, whatever his name is, will give him that. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I think he's probably going to get to three, four months in down the line to see what his options are, what the what it's looking like on the horizon before he makes his decision. But I, I honestly don't expect Conte to be there next season. That's just me. But I don't know anything. So again, let me know what let me know what you guys think. And also, I want to know what we're saying about Son. Son has been awful this season. There was a game where he scored a hat-trick or maybe four goals, I can't remember. And everyone's like, oh, he's back. But he's actually been awful. And I think it's okay when players have been so good for so long to have dips. And this could just be a dip. And how long are dips supposed to last for, we don't know. But at what point do we talk and say something's up with Son? Because when it was Aubameyang, it was very quick where people were like, oh, he signed a new contract and he's down, he's down tools. Are we going to say that with Son? Or are we just going to let things play out? But if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be very worried about um, Son's form right now. I'd be very worried that he is literally a passenger. And I'd also be worried that Kane, for 90% of the time, is also a passenger. Kane against Brentford did absolutely nothing, but then he pops up and scores that goal. So you kind of forgive him, or it kind of papers over the cracks, as long as they don't lose the game, obviously. And I think it's it's alarming when you have that. When you have two players, I'm not going to talk too much again because like I said, he's still scoring. So he's still contributing something. But if he doesn't score, then a lot of the time his performances aren't on that level. And Kulisevsky, is, he's, he's really, really good. And obviously they've got Richarlison coming back, but do they drop Son? I don't know if they're going to drop Son. But um, if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be very alarmed by that. I'd be very alarmed by the slow starts. I'd be very alarmed by the fact that they always have to concede in order to, to come back and whatnot. I was happy for Ivan Tony the other day getting a goal. Ivan Tony played really, really well. And I just hope, I hope and pray that this whole situation that Ivan Tony's got with the whole betting stuff doesn't end in him having to take a prolonged break in regards to getting suspended or whatever. Because it'll be so unfortunate and he's playing so well and... And showing why he thinks in his mind he's England's main man. And on that, well, Harry Kane is England's main man. That's not even a, a, up for debate. But he should have been in that squad. He should have been in that World Cup squad. And he got overlooked. And I'm I'm happy that he's just come back from after the break and is still banging in goals, still banging in goals. Proper, proper love that. Um, what else? is? Was there anything else I need to talk about? Okay, my last two um, my last two topics will be um, on Chelsea. So, after watching Chelsea the other day, yeah, honestly, they are so bad to watch right now. And it was something that happened in Tuchel, with Tuchel. It was something, I can't remember the, the manager before him now. Something that happened with, that's happening now with Graham Potter. It's just so bad. So, so, so bad. And I don't know what it is, man, but Chelsea need players that can bring a spark because they're so, they're so rigid right now. They're so boring. They're very passive. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think right now, 
the 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 shining light when I watched him the other day is Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling's offering third man runs and stretching defenses, and it's such a crazy weapon to have. He's he literally is the spark right now, but they need more. Raheem Sterling can't carry them on his back. He can't carry Chelsea on his back. No, he's doing his bit. And I think the other players need to also step up and, and, and do it. And I think a load of changes need to be made. Maybe not a load, I don't know. But in that centre midfield, I think creativity is needs to be injected into that centre midfield. Jorginho, you know what you're getting with Jorginho. And whoever else, Mount, I'm not really... Yeah, he can't be the guy you look to for your creativity in the team. I don't think so. Great technician. Great technician. But... He can't be that guy for me. And that's not me saying he's rubbish because he's really not rubbish. He can still play, but I think you have to introduce a player with a bit more creativity, a, a player that can make stuff happen on a regular basis, that raises the level of the team, that that keeps things going, keeps things ticking. And yeah, it, it can't be him. So I, I don't know where Chelsea go. I don't know. They definitely need another striker. I, I've been seeing Havertz getting a bit in a stick, getting a bit of stick lately as well. And um, I like Havertz, so I'm not even going to, get onto him too tough anyway because Havertz is a is, is I like him can he be long-term number nine forward I don't think so but then where do you play him so yeah but all of these questions you know I, I think if if it continues this way I can't see Graham Potter lasting and I want him to last I think if you sacked Tuchel from when you sacked Tuchel and you brought in um, Graham Potter I think you have to give him the time. And over time, I think his way of playing, his his ideologies, his methods, it will come into it. But whether or not Chelsea give him the time to do that, I don't know. Chelsea are known for being cutthroat. So, you know, they've got new owners now. And even with the new owners, they were a bit cutthroat. I thought Tuchel should have been given more time when it happened. So, I don't know. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to see if Graham Potter gets given the, the, the time needed to... To make that difference, but um, yeah, I know, guys. You just let, let me know. Let me know what, what you think about everything that I've spoken about. This is another podcast. This was episode one ninety. Ten more episodes, and then we got the big two hundred. Let me know who you want me to get on for my two hundredth guest. If I'm even going to have a guest, I don't know, but um, it should be a good one. And keep engaging. Hashtag Counterattack Podcast on Twitter. Follow in the bio, in the in the bio, you see all the um, Instagram information, social media information. Let's keep, let's keep the conversation going because there was a lot of conversation going around with the clips. Um, and follow the TikTok because that's where I put out a load of clips as well. So, um, yeah, guys, that's it for me. And if I don't have another one before the new year, I wish and pray that you all have a great new year. And... I'm here, everyone at the Carrot and Tap podcast. What's the date today? Yeah, I'm probably not going to have another one before the new year. So, yeah, guys, happy new year when it comes. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, all that good stuff. And we will speak soon. <laughs>